0: Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Our personal worldview affects um, aspects of how we uh, particularly interpret um, information that uh, we receive. And from my perspective, it's quite concerning how the secularization of society, that is that the society has sort of removed God from our thinking um, and the existence of God and in particularly the God of the, the Bible. When I uh, refer to God, I'm meaning the God who's described in the Bible. And one of the reasons for this is that I think the Bible account is the most credible and historically verified and archaeologically verified Um Accounts of man's interaction with a supreme being, and it's interesting, of course, that the the history there um, not only has been uh, that's recorded in the Bible has been consistently verified uh, by you know current observations and uh, archaeological observations. But also um, the the principles outlined in the Bible of a supernatural creator God outside space and time that's non-material um, fits in with our understanding also of, of consciousness in that our consciousness and our thoughts are, are non-material as well. And uh, the whole concept uh, described in the Bible that we can pray and communicate with this uh, power, and of course, that uh, our mind and how we uh, affect and and what the things we believe, how we interpret observations. And for me, this is worrying because what's happened is we've got uh, current theories that are being taught to young people and indeed have been taught for a couple of generations now, include, The Big Bang theory and the theory of evolution. Now, the theory of evolution is underpinned by this notion that life on Earth is billions of years old, and has solely evolved over that time, uh, becoming, you know, extremely complex about six hundred million years ago. And we have all these, uh, you know, radiometric dating scenarios that appear to support this, but. What happens is when people begin talking about these um, these dates and this sort of thing, they they don't realise that these dates have not actually been um, verified I- independently. So the methods that we used um, to uh, calculate these dates. Um, haven't actually been validated for the date range that they relate to. And we get all these different, in, you know, varying answers. Um, so, for example, um, you know, at the, at the moment we um, talk about uh, dating, for example, here in Australia, Aboriginal sites, carbon-14 dating, say, you know, 25,000, 28,000 years uh, with carbon-14 dating. Um, and yet if we date dinosaur remains, we get the the same sort of ages. If we date uh, rocks uh, that maybe have some wood trapped in them, we might get an age of, you know, again, 25,000, 30,000 years for the carbon-14 dating for the carbon material, and yet millions or tens of millions of years for the age of the, the rock, and yet they must be the the same age. So we've got these massive inconsistencies. And then when people use these ages for, you know, of 25,000, 30,000 years, we don't actually know what the carbon-14 content was at that time. And, of course, if it was very low at that time due to the fact that there was a greater dilution effect, more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, uh, lower cosmic ray flux reaching the Earth, because cosmic rays produce the carbon-14. Um All these variables and when we look at what we know, it's likely to have been much lower in the past because the Earth's magnetic field was stronger in the past and so forth as I've talked about previously and hence that would have repelled cosmic rays and the resulting consequences. So what happens is we've got so much uncertainty there. Now another area... Um, where we've got uncertainty is, is the Big Bang Theory. But what happens is that when people are taught these mindsets, they begin to interpret things in this world view that, yes, the earth is extremely old, life on earth is very old, um, therefore the Bible account can't be correct and therefore um, we don't have to worry about the guidelines for living um, and for caring for our environment, for caring for each other, uh, the rules, of morality that the Bible outlines. And yet, of course, the Bible has been written by uh, people who experienced God firsthand in a very powerful way, and they recorded that message. It was written down. And people knew that uh, they had had these um, experiences and they recorded the history. And we think, for example, the Bible records when the Israelites entered the Promised Land, the Jordan River was miraculously stopped from flowing, the water actually piled up and the people were able to walk across. And to remember that, uh, Joshua had a khan a, a of rocks uh, put there as a reminder that this was a miracle that occurred, so we didn't forget. So we have these accounts that have been accurately preserved, but they're all being dismissed these days as uh, sort of, you know, all you know, miracles don't happen and, and so forth. But when we look and drill down into these situations, if we look, for example, at the theory of evolution, there's, and I, I've talked about, many examples of amazing complex design structures within living organisms. Amazing biochemistry is extremely complex. Amazing molecular machines that are also completely complex that have to be biologically assembled in a particular order in order for them to work Um and all this order has to be programmed. And, of course, the whole theory assumes that all the, the, the processes that enable the molecular, biomolecular construction of these machines that are essential for the everyday processes that we take for granted in not only ourselves but in all living organisms, plants and animals, um, arose by random chance blind mutations their mutations are just, you know, chemical reactions that have uh, gone out of place uh, as a result of, you know, environmental factors, uh, ultraviolet light, excess heat, um, chemicals, stray chemicals and so forth in the environment. And we know it's absolutely impossible, it can't happen. Um, but yet the, this whole concept is being clung to. Now, very recently, of course there's more, if we look at the Big Bang theory, which is still taught as the origin of the, of the universe, there's just consistently more and more evidence pointing to the fact that it um, can't have happened that way. Um, look, some of the world's top uh, astronomers decades ago Uh, pointed out that the Big Bang Theory just doesn't work. Herman Bondi at Cambridge, there was Hilton Arp at the Max Planck Institute, Thomas Gold at Cornell. These were top astronomers, the leading astronomers in the world pointed out that the Big Bang Theory doesn't work. And then back in um, February 2017, some of the top astrophysicists in the world from Harvard and Princeton pointed out that Uh, Again, the uh, cosmic inflation, this rapid expansion that is supposed to underpin the Big Bang theory, faces really serious challenges as a uh, result of the latest uh, uh, astronomical uh, data that uh, had been received uh, back then in 2017. And there was an enormous debate over uh, their article, Pop Goes the Universe. It was published in February 2017 in Scientific American because scientists wanted to cling to this outdated Big Bang Theory. And uh, a number of scientists, about 40 scientists, I think, wrote in um, to Scientific American saying, you know, well, you know, this article... Essentially, you know, shouldn't have been published, and and um, you know, there's all these other papers supporting the big bang theory and this sort of thing. And then, as those um, astrophysicists from Princeton, Harvard pointed out, you don't arrive at truth by counting noses by by the by the vote. But this is what's happening. In science today, when especially in areas such as archaeology, um, when we're you know measuring ages of things, evolution, what is deemed as true is being arrived at uh, as a result of uh, you know how many people believe this, but the these people. Uh, that are voting, for example, for a, for a particular view of, of science. In most cases, my intuition my intuition is that in most cases these people have not actually checked the data personally for themselves. They have not gone back to the uh, fundamental uh, issues involved. For example, there was a case just recently here in Australia where um, some uh, a politician uh, pointed out that um, the, you know, the, the claims that uh, Indigenous people have, uh, that their history goes back 65,000 uh, years or so, um, he said it's, it's very hard to, to validate um, the these ages, you know, what's the independent evi- evidence for this? Um, and it was interesting. There's a fact a fact um, check group from uh, the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology University, RMIT University, and I'm an adjunct uh, professor there um, in the area of applied science. But it's interesting. This group here. Um, had said, well, look, we've talked to um, these, um, you know, leading anthropologists and archaeologists and they, uh, their view is that um, this this data is correct. And I thought, that's very interesting. So they've gone for the vote. They've gone for, OK, we can find, you know, so-and-so at Australian National University or wherever it was and so-and-so at this other university and, and they believe in these ages. But have we actually... Um, Verified the optical stimulated luminescence dating method. Have we actually validated the the dating methods that were used to arrive at those particular dates? Um, where's the independent analysis of the of the DNA analysis? I remember reading a paper uh, about um, DNA analysis. Um, of uh, a 100-year-old Indigenous person's uh, hair and and so forth and um, other, um, you know, DNA um, evidence that uh, they have. And again, from this, you know, they correlated that um, uh, the uh, material data back to these uh, earlier material. But what we are yet to see, and in really hone in on the interpretation of the DNA analysis because we know we've had lots of claims, for example, uh, over the years, well, hang on, you know, humans have 99% DNA, the same as uh, chimpanzees and all these sort of things, or 96%, whatever the amount was. Um and, again, when we drill into these things, we find, hang on, there's more to this story. It's not as clear-cut as this. And um, The particular interpretations that people are placing when they're doing the analysis of the DNA and, and so forth is governed by their worldview. Um, there was um, another uh, classic example of this, Um Uh, published uh, recently in an article, Can Bush Foods Survive in Space, on the 15th of March 2023, um, which was um, a uh, a press release um, and so forth uh, from the uh, Royal Botanical Gardens in Victoria. And it's interesting, the the article was about how certain uh, bush foods could be ideal for Uh, for use um, in in space travel um, because of uh, certain particular properties that they have uh, growing in the arid um, areas of Australia would enable them to be grown in artificial gardens in space and and so forth. It was interesting that this long-age evolutionary stand was uh, being uh, promoted and, um, and so for a long time we'd heard that Indigenous people had been living in Australia for 30,000 years, then it became 40,000 years, and then later 50,000 years, and of course nowadays 60,000 years. And it's interesting that this progression, one author has noted, is based more on a bandwagon effect than on any change in data. And so we could eventually expect to reach 100,000 years. But it's... Um, Interesting in that the uh, Royal Botanical Gardens Victoria had this press release um, where it said that um, a particular plant, Murnong, had been used as a staple food for Aboriginals for millions of years. And so, again, this is published in a, uh, something from the Royal uh, you know, Botanical Gardens, Victoria's Royal Botanical Gardens. Um, and the, uh, the press release also displayed, you know, La Trobe University and so forth um, and, and NASA. Um, but um, after some weeks online, however, eventually the document was corrected to now read thousands of years. But what this points out is that people jump to conclusions without um, the proper scientific evidence basing, uh, you know, needed to actually underpin that that is a scientific fact. Um, uh, Thomas Gold, uh, who's professor of of astronomy at uh, Cornell, I mean, he's uh, dead now, he died a few years ago, but he was one of the top astronomers in the world, fairly controversial character, but he points out, uh, I remember in, in one of the articles I read some years ago, that Back in the early 1900s, there was an astronomical conference um, and uh, a conference for astronomers. And um, at this conference, it was presented, the concept was presented that the Earth had an iron core. Now, by the end of the conference, people were so enamoured by this idea, the scientists attending, that at the end of the conference, people were talking about the Earth's iron core as if it had been established. And of course, a lot of data now we, we know that the Earth doesn't have a, a pure iron core at all. But the point that Thomas Goal was making was that this whole idea really appeared uh, appealed to these scientists at the time. And without waiting to do further research to validate this hypothesis, people began talking about it so frequently that eventually it became accepted. Uh, a similar situation has arisen, for example, with the area in the area of evolution. Um, if you go online and uh, Google the Australian Academy of Sciences statement on creation and evolution or evolution and creation from the Australian Academy of Sciences, you'll see that they make a number of assertions, essentially that scientists um, now accept evolution as a fact. But it, it's, it's just based on assertions. It's, there's no reference there that um, this, uh, this is now a scientific fact underpinned by research published in Nature by so-and-so and so-and-so and also published in Science by, you know, another so-and-so and so-and-so that have, co- you know, collaborated um, – uh, corroborated the uh, the research findings. No, it's not like that at all. It's it's just a vote on worldview, and one of the things that frustrates me again is that where this isn't getting out into the curriculum, the people. Um, Uh, just talk about these long ages and millions of years as if they've been really thoroughly established without realising that the methods that are used to calculate these things and the theories underpinning them in many cases haven't actually been validated and haven't been verified. And the classic one, of course, is the Big Bang theory. And one of the reasons that um, uh, looking at this is that in... um, Uh, February uh, 22, 2023, on 22nd of February 2023, in in the top science journal Nature, volume 616, pages 266 to 269, there was an article uh, titled A Population of Red Candidate Massive Galaxies, 600 Million Years After the Big Bang. And um, these um, galaxies had stellar masses as high as a hundred billion times our sun's mass. And it's interesting that the this was a, an article reporting uh, findings from the uh, James Webb uh, Telescope. So there was a, a number of articles published in that uh, volume of Nature that came out, um, the The journal actually came out on um Uh, on the 23rd of February, uh, the article published online 22nd of February. Um, And it's interesting because this data from the James Webb Telescope was able to see much further than anything previously out into the universe. And the earliest images, right, now those from the furthest way, they, they should be, in terms of the Big Bang Theory, the youngest images, And it's interesting that um, in the Big Bang theory, gravity should not have had time to assemble matter into galaxies. And so galaxies, these spiral galaxies that were formed, fully mature spiral galaxies were found right at this early stage. And um, they also, the galaxies were much more massive than estimated that the Big Bang could form. And so these are are massive problems for the Big Bang theory. Um, And there was another um, article uh, that was uh, published uh, online by, I think it was Physics Today, it was called uh, The James Webb Space Telescope. ...discovers enormous distance galaxies that should not exist. And it says... um, uh, ...and and, uh, this was published um, just uh, immediately after the um, Nature article. It says these giant mature galaxies seem to have filled the universe... ...shortly after the Big Bang and astronomers are puzzled. puzzled. And there were some pictures of uh, six galaxies and it says um, the, the heading underneath was these six galaxies may force astronomers to rewrite cosmology books. Nobody expected them. They were not supposed to be there. And now nobody can explain how they had formed. And this is um, a very important um, uh, aspect to realise that the, not only is there no, um, currently no uh, scientific observations that support the claims for the Big Bang theory itself, the Big Bang theory now really can't explain what we observe as well. So we have this major problem, and we can see, as I said, it falls into two categories. The first category is the big bang theory with all its claims and timelines of you know 13 billion years ago and so forth and uh, this massive explosion of or expansion of space itself into a fourth dimension 3-dimensional space expanding fourth dimension with energy and matter and and so forth and energy condensing into matter and uh, the matter condensing into the stars and so forth not only is there no scientific observations that verify the claims of the Big Bang, but we now find that the Big Bang theory itself can't explain the structures that we observe in the timelines that we observe. And so this is a... um, uh, as uh, this uh, article a J- titled The James Webb Telescope Discovers Enormous Distance Galaxies That Should Not Exist. It was by Teresa uh, Pultevova, P-U-L-T-A-R-O-V-A, um, and um, if you uh, Google that, you can see that. Um, uh, there's another article that you could look up to uh, the James Webb Space Telescope's first year in space has blown astronomers away, and so uh, one of the things that came out, one of the conclusions came out that was reported I- in this article was that um, only a little more than six months after the Webb team released the first observations from this grand observatory, scientists are already challenged to rewrite their theories. About the early universe and it, uh, it's interesting they quote uh, one of the lead authors um, who's at uh, in Penn University in the US and he said we looked into the very early universe for the first time we had no idea what we were going to find but it turns out we found something so unexpected that it actually creates problems for science and that was a statement um, coming from one of the uh, authors of the original um, paper published in Nature. And he goes on to say it calls the whole picture of early galaxy formation into question. You know, when we look at it, science has no explanation for the origin of the universe apart from supernatural creation. And there's a lot more that could be said, too, um, about um, the uh, situation uh, that we find. Um, We find that the solar system is remarkably stable. Um, Another paper that was uh, published in the Monthly Gnosis of the Royal Astronomical Society in 2022 uh, volume 515, number 4, pages uh, 40, 5942 and following. Um, it was on the long-term stability of the solar system in the presence of wheat perturbation from stellar flybys. And... Again, what we're finding is that there's growing astronomical evidence about the amazing stability of the solar system. Another article I was reading recently is that there's still no known explanation for comets. The comets were supposed to come from uh, different areas in the um, uh, solar system they proposed, but of course they haven't been seen. Uh, coming from these places. And the age of comets points very heavily to the fact that our solar system must be very young, only thousands years old, impossible to be millions of years old. So when we look at this amazing evidence, it fits, very strongly fits, the picture of creation that we read in the Bible, in Genesis. You've been listening to Faith and Science, If you want to re-listen to these programs, remember you can just Google 3ABNAustralia.org.au, click on the radio button and click on the listen button. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day.